ION 2020, episode 47. Have 2020 vision with ION 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray and your host of ION 2020, your favorite place to come to hear the news and all the information with regards to the 2020 election and the things that are going to be happening uh, with these candidates, with all of the people that are uh, running from the Democrats, the Republicans, to the Independents, to the Green Party, uh, everybody. I'm going to try to cover everything, man, if I can, because that's what I do. Because uh, this is Ion 2020, and I'm keeping my eyes on 2020. Because uh, sometimes going through all those news articles, going through all, watching the news can be a hassle. I agree, uh, and I will go ahead and scour the news for you on a daily basis so that you don't have to. Uh, go ahead if you can subscribe to the show and go ahead and give me a five star rating and review if you'd like to as well. And that would be very helpful to me, and that would uh, make me happy to see any type of reviews that you give me as well. Uh, ratings are important as well, and of course, if you want to hear the show tomorrow, go ahead and subscribe to it. I have uh, multiple episodes before this as well that I've done, and uh, I'd love to see you, go, see you go ahead and listen to those as well. And if you want to follow me, go ahead and hit up my Twitter handle, and that is at IonTheEmpire. There is where I'm posting news articles and stuff with regards to our entire federal government, not just the 2020 election, but the entire federal government, the empire that we live in and under, and uh, you know the news that relates to the things that they're doing overseas as well as domestically. I'll bring you all the news that I can on a daily basis on ION 2020, and I appreciate you coming out and listening today. Something that I wanted to talk about today, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and it's something that... I just can't believe that candidates don't address anymore. And it used to be candidates, they called it the third rail, right? The enti- the entitlement spending. That's Social Security and Medicare. The third rail because you don't want to touch that third rail. You're in a, you're in a subway in New York City. You fall down in, into the subway area where the, you know where the tracks are at. And there's a third rail, and that's where the electricity runs through, right? And it just, if you hit it, man, you're dead. Zap, boom, done. That's what that's the electrical grid that, that runs the subway system. And uh, if a candidate ever talks about those things or if a, if a politician ever talks about those things, they call it the third rail because if you talk about taking away grandma's Social Security, it's over with, right? So most politicians have typically avoided that topic, right? And But every so often you'll hear these candidates talk about entitlement reform in some way, right? Because it's an issue. It, it really is. And it's something that they've known for years and years and years that eventually the baby boomer generation is going to be retiring. They're going to be collecting Social Security. They're going to be collecting, you know, getting onto Medicare. And it's going to start eating up a lot of the budget. 20 years ago, it was 43% of the federal budget. And uh, nowadays, it's 70% of the federal budget. Can you believe that? 20 years ago, 
to now it's gone up that, by that much, right? Almost 30% of the federal budget has been taken up just by uh, just by Medicare and Social Security. And if you look at the Social Security budget, it's almost a trillion dollars. And if you look at the Medicare budget, it's one point, or it's, uh, it's 500, over $500 billion, almost $600 billion. So you got 1.6% or $1.6 trillion going towards those entitlements. And if you look at every single candidate, I haven't heard a single one of them talking about this issue at all. And uh, you look at the Democratic side, and they're just talking about spending, spending, spending more and more money, right? They want to give you the Green New Deal. They want to give you uh, free health care. They want to, or not free health, single payer health care. They want to give you um, free college. They want to take care of your kids from the time that they're born, so they go to, uh, they go to pre-K after they pay for your uh, four months out of work. You know, they, they, they just have this list of things that they want the federal government to take care of for you, that they want to socialize as much of, as, as much of the economy as they can, apparently. And, and, I, and when I say socialize, I mean they want to socialize the costs of things, right? So, for example, if the right now, you individually, if you go to college, you're going to take out loans, you're going to pay it, the you know, the burden is on you. But the federal, what the, what I, when I say socialize the cost, that means they want to take it, make it so that the federal government covers the cost of the college education that you get. So that means they socialize it across the entire, the entire population, right? So even if you never went to college, you're going to be paying for someone else's college, essentially through your taxes. Even if you'd have no desire to go to college and you're 18 years old, you want to go and become an entrepreneur, you're still going to be paying in some way through your taxes for someone else's college. That, that's what I mean when I say socialize the cost. That's what. So the the politicians on the on the Democratic ticket, if you look at most of these people, um, they're fi- they're trying to figure out you know what more, the more things that they can give you. So they're not going to touch that third rail, which is you know Social Security reform or Medicare reform. They won't touch it. Do- Donald Trump has never spoken about it because he knows that his voter is that old re- or not his entire voting base but a lot of those vote his voting base is the you know the patriotic republican the patriotic just kind of blue collar worker that retired several years ago he gets a lot of that vote i mean i remember Years ago, I think it was when it was when Mitt Romney was running for president back in 2012, and I lived in I lived down in Florida, and there's this little town, and it's not a little town. There's 120,000 homes in this area called the Villages, which is the world's largest retirement home, or not retirement home, but retirement community. Right? There's probably 35 golf courses. They have three town centers that have. You know, eight or nine restaurants at each one, a Starbucks at each one, multiple clothing stores and, you know, things like that. So it's like a little mall area, but it's a town center that you can drive through and they pull up their golf carts. They'll go eat dinner. There's in the middle of the town center, there's a square in each one and they'll always have music playing and live bands at night happy hour on the square where you can get dollar drinks, the whole nine yards, right? And this is a huge retirement community and I remember going down there one time because um, 
we were just down there visiting, like not visiting, but we used to go down there and eat dinner and stuff. And I remember Paul Ryan was going to be down there. He was the person that was running with, uh, with Mitt Romney, right? So Paul Ryan is running with Mitt Romney and he's going to be doing a big speech that day. So we get down there and they have everything partitioned off of security screens and all that stuff to get through. And uh, we go down there and we're going to watch Paul Ryan speak. And he probably had at least 10,000 people, eight, eight, nine, 10,000 people from the villages that came down there. I, I, I might be over-exaggerating very much. I'm not an expert like Donald Trump is at giving crowd, you know, crowd numbers and stuff, right? That's not me. Uh, we'll leave that to Donald Trump to give crowd numbers. But for me, I don't, you know, I was out there and there was just so many people there, thousands upon thousands of people there. And he was speaking, but these are all good Republican voters and their retirees. And they came down to hear him speak. And this is, I think this is around the time the Tea Party movement was going as well. So he was given that speech about, you know, fixing, you know, fixing government spending and everything else. And that we don't need to be taking on Obamacare and blah, 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 right? All that stuff that they talk about. But he didn't touch that third rail. Not in, not in the villages, no way. Um, but Donald Trump knows this, right? He knows what his base is. He knows who they are. And these are people that grew up expecting, I mean, the, the middle-aged people, the 50-year-old people that are blue-collar workers, uh, those are the people that are going to be voting for him as well a lot of times. And they're depending upon a pension. They're de- depending upon a small, you know, whatever savings they have that they've saved up. And they're also thinking, you know, about Social Security and Medicare, and all the you know the, the entitlements like that that's what they expect to have so no one's going to touch that issue ever it's just the way it is and um i just wonder why i i don't it, it's a pressing issue they say by 20, 20 like 2028 or 2030 that it's going to consume between the entitlements and the the servicing the debt and when i say servicing the debt i mean the interest on the national debt is going to be 100%, 100% of the federal budget by 2030. So how far is that away, guys? That is, I'm, I'm recording right now in 2019. That is 11 years away. That is going to consume 100% of the economy, or 100% of the federal budget. So every penny that's spent beyond Medicare, Social Security, and servicing the debt is going to be borrowed. So that's going to increase the national debt beyond that. And, and they're already expecting the national debt to increase significantly over that time because of increased military spending, increased Social Security spending, increased Medicare spending. Increase, I mean, if, if you're looking at ways to cut the budget, that would be the way to do it. It would be to decrease those things. But they're, they're, we're looking at a crisis in that world if you're looking 11 years away they knew this back in the 90s they knew this back in the 80s they were to project they were probably able to project it into the 70s because they knew that the baby boomer generation at some point would be retiring it's a huge generation and is it going to be when these people are retiring they're going to be they say the last i don't know what is it the last um two years of her life is when they spend the most on medicine so when you have those people 
that are getting towards the last two years of their life. So the baby boomers started retiring, I think it was 10 years ago, a little less than 10 years ago. And now some of those people are 75 years old. The average life expectancy is what, 82, 83 in America, maybe a little bit older than that. So you're going to assume that in about the next five or six years, these people are going to be hitting their last year of their life. So you're going to have major deficits running in the Medicare side as well as the Social Security side for for that amount of time, right? You're also going to have um, major deficits in the military and the entire with the entire federal budget in the next ten years or next eleven years being spent on the on servicing the debt as well as just the entitlements alone then you're going to be borrowing for the military which is 17 percent of the federal budget right and at that time they expected to be you know way way less than that because of the ballooning of the of the entitlements they say like 66 percent in the next 10 years 66 percent of the increase in the federal budget is going to be caused by entitlement spending so the military spending, if, if they could pull out of the wars, if you can start bringing the troops home, if we can decrease the amount of spending on the military, on the foreign interventions and so forth, then that might be a way to lower the amount of spending. But you're still going to have the Medicare and the, and the Social Security as well as the servicing the debt. That's always going to be there. That's not something that's discretionary as a mandatory spending that they have to do. So if you do happen to bring bring home the military, that's one of the largest chunks of the of the uh, national the federal budget is military spending. And that's the discretionary stuff, right? And then I mean conservatives always get all worked up about like welfare payments, and that's nothing. That is absolutely nothing. Welfare for poor people um even food stamps, things like that, that is nothing on the federal budget at all. Military spending is is way beyond that, right? So if you cut the military by like 20%, it covers all of the welfare spending. So that's not even the first place I would look to cut spending ever. That's nowhere near where I would, that's not where I would look at all. If you're going to look to cut spending, it has to be on the larger issues, which is your Medicare, Social Security, and so forth. But the thing that I wanted to bring up today is that politicians, nowhere, none of them are even talking about that. I le- I read the Green Party's, uh, I I read the Green Party's, you know, policy ideas the other day, and there's nothing in there. It's all about more spending. It's all about more and more government takeover of everything, right? More and more federal government taking care of things. Now, I did like in the Green Party what they were talking about. They talk about in their in their ideas uh, on their website that they want to localize a lot of things as well. Um, but I think that's because they're a small party, so they want to get local representatives to run for office in local campaigns to try to make some changes there. But on the federal level, they talk a lot about you know, the federal government taking over a lot of the economy. So they're not talking about it. <clears throat> Libertarians in their their policy, like on their website, when they talk about things, they're not talking about, you know, reducing her how to fix the federal government. There's no policies there. If you go to the Heritage Foundation, there are some ideas that they have to help 
shore up the entitlement spending. But it's not the politicians that are talking about this. Especially on the mainstream. You're not having the Democrats talk about it at all. You're not having the Republican Donald Trump talk about it at all. Bill Weld, who's going to be running against Donald Trump on the Republican side, he's not talking about it at all. Nobody's talking about it. And I just wonder why. If somebody can tell me why, I would love to know. And I know what it is. It's because it's not a way to get elected. For the younger generation, the the more socialist-minded generation, I guess you'd say, they're looking for free college. They're looking for someone to take care of their college loans. They're looking for somebody to help them to get a house with a lower down payment. They're looking for, what can you do for me? For the middle generation, you're not going to talk about entitlement spending. The middle-aged people, people over 30, Generation X, you're not going to talk about entitlement spending with them because they're looking forward to the idea of retiring at some point, right? And then the older generation, they're dependent upon that. So you're definitely not going to talk about it to them. That's not a way to get elected. It's the third rail. It still is. And to me, it's the thing that will bankrupt this country. I personally do not want to be dependent upon the government for a check to stay, al- to stay alive. I don't want to be that person because when that check stops coming, what do I do at that point? If the, if the federal government goes bankrupt somehow and... If the federal government goes bankrupt somehow at some point in the future, then we're all stuck holding the bag with, you know, with, we have nothing at that point, right? Um, Unless you've planned for it, unless you prepared for it. But there are a lot of enablers in this world that talk about how, oh, the government can't go bankrupt. And that's technically true because they could print as much money as they want to, right? So technically they can't go bankrupt. You can get a new government. I mean, the Soviet Union fell, so you can get a new government. That would happen very fast, right? Um, The countries that were in the Soviet Union, they came apart. There's still Russia. There's still Moscow. But Russia became a new government, right? Um, So the federal government could fall in that sense. I don't think that it's going to happen, though. I just think that you're going to be looking at a world where the government has to start printing money in order to meet its obligations. It's because the, the federal government gets money three ways. It'll get money through taxation. So they'd have to, in order to meet the obligations, they'd have to raise taxes somehow. Number two, they can get it through borrowing that money so they can print out bonds, they can print out you know treasury notes, and they can borrow that money from people But if there's this worry that there's way too much uh, debt, then they're going to have to raise, then the people that are buying those bonds are going to demand a higher interest rate. So then the government's going to be paying even more to service their debt. So that's not this, that's that's a solution though. So so they could tax more, so take more money from from the private economy. They could print more, or they can, um, borrow more. That's the only way the federal government is going to get money. So let's look at the challenges with printing more money. 
If you print money, then it's a then it's a tax on people's savings essentially because of inflation. So the government goes out and they just print twenty two trillion dollars in order to pay off the debt in full. Then there's twenty two trillion dollars put into the economy, right? People don't trust the federal government at that point. So, but more money into the economy is going to cause is going to cause inflation. That's a known fact. So when the government prints money, it happened during civil war. It happens. Uh, I mean, the Weimar Republic in, in Germany. I mean, I'm not predicting anything like that where you're going to have, you know, major inflation. But, I mean, you look at Venezuela today, they have major inflation, right? Because the government just prints money. I think they said, hey, if you have a hundred dollar, or a hundred, let's just use their word, or our word, a hundred dollar note, just add a zero to it. They just had to stamp a zero onto it, make it a thousand dollar note. So then the prices adjust accordingly of everything you're buying, and inflation happens, right? So when you have... If the government decides to print its way out of this, then you're going to have major inflation. I don't know about double-digit or triple-digit inflation, but you will have inflation. In the 70s, the government forced inflation of, like, I think it was 20% some years, right? For a couple of years, they did that, and it was a huge thing, but you had higher interest rates that, during that time as well. So the ways out of it is to reduce spending print more money, borrow more money, or, um, or tax more money from the people. And that's the only, that's the only ways that the government can get out of it. So I don't, as a libertarian, I would say this, I don't think that the government should obviously tax more of the people's money. I think the government should figure out ways to reduce spending, but our politicians are not going to talk about this ever. Uh, They won't. So there are some solutions, though, and the Heritage Foundation did come up with, you know, some ideas in in an article that I read as well, and one of the things is you got to raise, in order to fix the Social Security side of it, you have to raise the uh, retirement age to a higher, to a higher number right now, right? So I think right now, if you want to have full retirement, it has to be 67. It's going to be 67. And I know that you can retire at 62, and you're going to get like 70% of what you would normally get. If you retire at 65, it'll be a little bit more. And at 67, it's, uh, you know, 100%. So you'd have to raise the retirement age where you can get your Social Security to a higher number, right? To 72, I think, is what is what some of these articles that I was reading said. So if you get if you raise the retirement age then less people are going to retire, more people are going to be staying in the economy as producers until they're 72. And that means that they're going to um, produce more taxes for the government as well. And at that point, you can help to make the Social Security trust fund more solvent, I guess. And I don't know that that's a complete fix, but that's what a lot of people, uh, in a, a couple articles that I read said. Um, on the Medicare side, on the Medicaid side, you're going to have to have reduced, re- reduced um, amount, like a reduced care for the people that are on Medicare, or charge them more for Medicare Medicare coverage, and that's the only way is to really fix it, right? And then you have to reduce spending elsewhere in order to cover the deficits that they're having. But I mean, this, these politicians, they're not going to talk about this, and that's. I'm, I'm, this is I on 2020. This is your show that you're listening to for the news and all the coverage and stuff for, um, 
for the 2020 election, so I want to stay focused on the candidates, you're not going to hear this from them. You you just won't. And it is a it's a crisis that's going to happen. It's a crisis that's 11 years away. It's something that our children are going to have to deal with. It's something that our grandchildren have to deal with. And how do they fix it? I don't know. I mean, it seems to me that everyone is just closing their eyes, closing their ears, and closing their mouth, saying, I don't see it, I can't hear it, and I'm not going to speak up about it. That's all they're doing because no, it's, it's a kick-the-can-down-the-road policy that nobody is going to address until it's a crisis. A crisis. And everyone knows that the federal government runs as a crisis government. I mean, you see it. I said this on yesterday's show about Medicare. You see it, or Medicare for all. You see it where, you know, they do not address the issue until it's the last day before that law has to be passed, basically, right? So you see it, I mean, back in December, it was like Christmas Eve and the Congress is there trying to pass a budget on the day before the budget goes, uh, or day before they're going to be shutting down the government. It's not a week in advance. It's not six months in advance. It's the day before, the minutes leading up to it. I mean, it'll be like 11.59 and they're casting the last vote to keep the government open. It's amazing, but that's the way our government is, guys. And that's the government that you want in charge of your retirement, that's the government that you want in charge of your social security. That's the government that you want in charge of your health care if you're looking from a, you know, from a, a socialist standpoint, right? That's the government that you want in charge of all that stuff. I mean, that's the government that we want in charge of our postal service, you know? I mean, that's fine. I at the minimum they can create some roads and they can have a postal service, that's fine. But when it comes to life and death, I mean, good Lord, that's not the government that I want in charge of that stuff. And uh, that's who is. That's who's doing it on on the Social Security issue. And they are not going to address this issue. I guarantee it. You'll be listening to this podcast in 11 years. And you'll be saying, wow, that guy really did predict something. That they wouldn't address it until now. And now they're um, crisis management mode. And they're addressing it. Finally, it's 2030. And they're finally addressing it. And I guarantee you, though, the projections that they have are going to be a lot shorter than that than that, because they always project further out, right? And uh, if we have, this is what I've heard before, if we have a downturn in the economy from today, then all those numbers change, and it comes a lot sooner. And <clears throat> right now, the economy is at the highest growth, or the longest, sorry, the longest stretch almost ever. I think there's been one stretch where we've had economic growth longer in the last, I think, 80 years. But this is the longest stretch of growth that America has had, you know, or the second longest in in 80 years. So at some point, we're going to have a downturn. I don't know if it's this year, next year, or the year after. But at some point, they're going to have to have There's going to be a downturn in the economy. And at that point, all those numbers change. So it might be 2028, might be 2027, it might be 2025. Who knows? But all these things are going to happen, and all we have is a bunch of politicians that are running for president that have their eyes closed, their ears covered up, and their mouth covered up so that they're not going to see it, hear about it, or talk about it. And that's dangerous. So, um, But keep trusting your federal government, guys. Keep doing that, okay? And 
This is Ion 2020, though, your place to hear all of the news and related events for the 2020 election. I hope that I gave you some good information today. I really do. I tried to stay off the topic of any of the candidates right now, but that is something that just blows my mind that nobody's talking about entitlement reform at all. Um, but it is one of the biggest crises that's, you know, 11 years away. And all you hear is, oh, we need a Green New Deal so we can have, um, you know, $20 trillion in spending in the next 10 years beyond what we've already projected. So let's go ahead and borrow all that money and make the Green New Deal happen. I mean, that's what you hear on the Democratic side. On the Republican side, Donald Trump is just like, um, yeah, you know, look how great the economy is. And I don't care about anything else. You know, just just reelect me because I'm so great and I got you a wall. That's what Don, that's what Donald Trump is saying, right? So, um, yeah. So I mean, I I really think that we need that's something that needs to be addressed. But that's why I talked about it today, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, this is Ion 2020, though. Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you can, and then come back tomorrow so you can have clear vision for the 2020 election.